This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. That sound you hear is Checkmate by Judge Chutkin in the D.C. election interference case. Donald Trump tried to check her today by filing two pieces of paper, one with the Court of Appeals, arguing that Judge Chutkin's ruling on December the 1st, finding that there was no presidential immunity that would be applicable to defeat the indictment against Donald Trump in the District of Columbia by the special counsel applied at all. On the heels of an earlier decision that same day or same week by her bosses in the D.C. Court of Appeals, in which they found there was no presidential immunity to stop civil lawsuits against Donald Trump for his actions on Jan 6 as campaigner in chief, as insurrectionist in chief, in suits that were brought by people that were damaged and injured, maimed and killed on Jan 6, including Capitol Police, Metro Police and members of Congress. So that twin barrel, no immunity, no immunity that came out on the week of December 1st, of course, uh, pissed off and caught Donald Trump, according to reporting, flat-footed. He filed a, a notice of appeal today, but also filed a motion for stay to ask the judge, Judge Chutkin, to put a pin in the criminal proceedings, meaning stop them, stop their development, stop the ability to, to achieve the March 4th trial date, right? That stop on the train. Um, and asked her to stay it and asked her to make that ruling about the stay within the next seven days. And the judge, that's the sound of checkmate, said, I can do it in five. It was like a game, a perverse justice game of name that tune. Donald Trump said seven and the judge said five. And so she issued an order just late today in which she said the Department of Justice needs to file their opposition to Donald Trump's motion to stay by this Sunday. Uh, by five o'clock on the 10th of December. And Trump, you have two more days until Tuesday, the 12th of December at 5 p.m. while you're still on the stand in the New York civil fraud case, by the way, to enter your reply. And then we'll have full briefing. And what does that mean? Knowing Judge Chutkin and the velocity at which she makes rulings, I predict here on this special hot take of Legal AF on the Midas Touch Network, that we will get a ruling by Judge Chutkin no later than Thursday of that week, which is the seven-day mark, and probably even sooner. I could see a Wednesday, maybe 10 or 12 hours after full briefing. She will, I believe, deny the stay. I don't think here she's going to give the administrative stay or a stay while he pursues the appeal. She has to find there are certain standards that she has to apply that it's likely that he's going to prevail um, at on the appeal, likely that that she was wrong, in other words, on December 1st. And because in their brief on the motion to stay, Donald Trump's lawyers did not at all point out any new case law or new arguments that the judge failed to um, acknowledge or misapplied. Um, she should, and if I know Judge Chutkin from following her for this long, she should deny the stay and let them take ask for a stay if they are going to get one at all from the DC Court of Appeals. It'll be up to the DC Court of Appeals then after a full record now has been made before the trial judge to decide whether the judge Chutkin abused her very uh, liberal uh, and very broad discretion to deny the stay. That's going to be the measure on the appeal. So that's the two-step process for uh, a stay. You ask the trial judge first. If the trial judge doesn't give it to you, which I, I don't think she will, she'll find that the appeal doesn't have merit or she didn't make any mistakes or misapprehend the law. Then you have to go to the D.C. Court of Appeals. You get a randomly selected three-judge panel. Won't be the three-judge panel that just decided 
these whether the civil lawsuits against Donald Trump somehow um, were barred by immunity, which they ruled that they were not. It'll be a new random three-judge panel. That's how it works. And we'll have to see who exactly who that three-judge panel is. But the D.C. Court of Appeals leans, leans to the left. Most of the people there have been appointed by uh, Obama and Biden and Clinton even. Uh, and so that is a, uh, I think, 70 or 80 percent uh, democratically appointed judges, just to give you a little bit of a window into their thinking in advance. And then they're going to have to see if there's going to be an administrative judge who who or a, who grants an immediate temporary stay until the full panel can be convened, because first they have to be selected randomly through a clerk process, then they have to get the briefing, then they have to get together, then they have to issue an order through the chief judge or the, the most senior judge on that panel, and, and they're off and running. And so maybe there'll be an administrative stay in between until the full panel gets their hands on it. We saw something like that exactly happen in the uh, gag order, which is still pending. Judge Chutkin's gag order uh, which was reinstated by her, is still pending after oral argument in front of another, yet another three-judge panel of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. We've been waiting for that decision. I think this actually might motivate that panel, who's now had more than two weeks to make their ruling. But they got together quickly and through the clerk issued a very temporary stay, which they made clear did not indicate one way or the other on the merits of the case, whether they sided with Donald Trump or they sided with the Department of Justice. It was just an administrative stay and until they got their act together and set a briefing schedule. Same sort of thing could happen here. If there's no stay, though, th then, uh, you know, the wheels of justice proceed in the case. And they can't, you know, I know there's been a threat by Donald Trump. Well, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Eh, you can't do that when you're part of the criminal justice system and your liberty is in the hands of a federal judge and a federal criminal court system. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. Look, everyone knows how annoying cheap razors are. The cuts, the irritation, the frustration. And don't get me started with subscription razor services, the headaches that those can cause. That's why you gotta meet Henson Shaving. Henson Shaving is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that has made parts for the ISS. That's the International Space Station and Mars Rover. And now they're bringing precision engineering to your shaving experience. Razor blades, they're like diving boards. The longer the board, the more wobble. The more wobble, the more nicks, cuts, and scrapes. A bad shave, it isn't a blade problem. It's an extension problem. By using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes metal razors that extend just 0.0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. It gets better. The razor has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson Shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. The Henson razor works with standard dual-edge blades to give you that old-school shave with the benefits of new-school tech. Once you own a Henson razor, it's only about three to $5 per year to replace the blades. My first shave with the Henson razor was incredibly refreshing. The design is sleek and the durability is top notch. 
The Henson Razor is truly so much better than your run-of-the-mill quote-unquote traditional razor brand. And the affordability factor is absolutely game-changing. No more wasting your money on expensive blades. With Henson Shaving, you can get a year of blades for just $5. Okay, so this is what you have to do. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com slash legalaf to pick up the razor for you and use our code LEGALAF and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G dot com slash LEGALAF and use code LEGALAF. And now back to the video. So Jack Smith will continue to file motions and continue to call for hearings and briefing schedules and do everything he needs to do, get the case ready for March 4th. Donald Trump's willingness to participate in that process be damned. So that's where we are right now. Very fast briefing schedule. Uh, Tanya Chuck can almost responding, don't tell me how to run my courtroom. You want a fast ruling? You got a fast ruling. Sunday brief for the Department of Justice, Tuesday brief for Donald J. Trump. I don't care whether you're testifying somewhere else because of your other shenanigans, like in the civil fraud case in New York. I mean, she didn't say that, but that's the implied footnote in her briefing schedule. And then we'll have a full briefing schedule, all three briefs. The opening brief by Donald Trump on the motion to stay. The opposition brief by the Department of Justice. The reply brief. That's how it works. There's usually three briefs. Sometimes there's four, but 95% of the time or more, there's three briefs. And then with those three briefs, with the movement, in this case, Donald Trump getting the last word in a reply, then there's oral argument usually on such weighty issues. And the issues here are going to be, did Judge Chutkin get it right or wrong? Thumbs up or thumbs down? When she said that there's no double jeopardy issue because the impeachment clause of the Constitution is not applicable here. It doesn't say that impeachment is the only way to try a former president. And that um, uh, so that the fact that he was tried once for things related to just the Jan 6th insurrection and riot on the Capitol on Capitol Hill doesn't stop once he leaves office him being prosecuted um, if he wasn't exercising his presidential immunity and presidential powers. There's a couple of very interesting quotes I want to leave you with in both Judge Chutkin's ruling on December the 1st that's now up on appeal and the uh, ruling that was made almost like a bookend back to back by her bosses at the D.C. Court of Appeals on the application of presidential immunity to the civil liability case. And um, so let's start with uh, the decision uh, by the uh, by Judge Chutkin. Um, and this is what they said. This is what Chutkin wrote. Whatever immunities a sitting president may enjoy, the United States has only one chief executive at a time. And that position does not confer a lifelong get out of jail free pass. Former presidents enjoy no special conditions on their federal criminal liability. That's the heart of what animated uh, the ruling by Judge Chutkin. In the uh, earlier decided, I mean, just hours before Judge Chutkin ruled, she obviously cited to the ruling in the Blassingham case, in Blassingham versus Trump, 
which is the case of a series of cases brought by Metro Police, DC Police, members of Congress against Donald Trump for civil constitutional liability and civil liability under the KKK Act, which was passed to protect Black Americans freed slaves after Reconstruction from uh, having people try to inhibit and interfere with their exercising their constitutional rights, including, including voting and civil rights. He's been sued under that. There's civil penalties and civil liability and civil damages that are available for that. Those cases were stayed for almost two years while, th while this appellate court sort of sat on uh, the decision as to whether presidential immunity could be decided at this point. And what the chief judge uh, there, Sri uh, Srinivasan, who is likely... If Donald Trump, if, sorry, if Joe Biden gets an opportunity to appoint somebody to the Supreme Court this term or next term, uh, you know, the short list is Sri Srivanath, uh, uh, Srinivasan, uh, it's, it's um, uh, people like, um, you know, Judge Chutkin herself who would be on the short list, and I can think of two or three others, including Amy Berman Jackson, and people, um, and maybe Beryl Howell, people who have really um, exhibited amazing grace and judicial prowess in the face of the Jan 6 insurrection and running those courtrooms and courthouses in the District of Columbia. And so Chief Judge uh, Srinivasan said in his ruling uh, for the three-judge panel, including one Trump appointee who sided with the majority, said the following about Donald Trump's arguments to avoid liability civilly as a former president. Um, the opinion said, in arguing that he is entitled to official act immunity in the cases before us, President Trump does not dispute that he engaged in his alleged actions up to and on Jan 6th in his capacity as a candidate. But he thinks that does not matter. Rather, in his view, a president's speech on matters of public concern is invariably an official function. And he was engaged in that function when he spoke at the Jan 6th rally and in the lead up to that day. We cannot accept that rationale. That's the D.C. Court of Appeals last week ruling against Donald Trump. Uh, the chief judge went on for the majority to write, well, president, while presidents are often exercising official responsibilities when they speak on matters of public concern, that is not always the case. When a sitting president running for re-election speaks in a campaign ad or in accepting his political party's nomination at the party convention, he typically speaks on matters of public concern, yet he does not. He does so in an unofficial, private capacity as office seeker, not an official capacity as office holder. And actions taken in an unofficial capacity cannot qualify for official act immunity. And that was the battle there. You know, they basically said that when a one-term president tries to campaign to get a second term, that is not an official presidential act to give him immunity. And so that issue may or may not be taken up by the U.S. Supreme Court, but that was the twin barrel um, uh, loss for and defeat for Donald Trump last week about all things immunity. And now we're going to see how Judge Chutkin decides whether to stay her case and whether she thinks his appeal has merit and then whether that's going to affect the March 4th trial date. Here's the final prediction on my hot take. Judge Chutkin is going to find that the, that the appeal has no merit, or at least she did not misapprehend the law, and he's not likely to succeed on the merits of his appeal. 
There's nothing in the 11 pages that Donald Trump filed in his un, his opposed motion for stay that would convince her otherwise. There's no new case law, no new facts that she missed, you know, almost like asking for a rehearing. It's the same tired arguments that were wrong the first time and are wrong now being repeated in a motion for stay. Having then denied the motion for stay, which I think she will do early next week, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at the latest, Donald Trump will then have to race into the D.C. Court of Appeals and ask a future not yet assembled panel of three judges there for a stay while he argues his appeal. And he'll cite to the case uh, that came out recently, which I think he misapplies. Um, uh, as the precedent there for some sort of stay. It'll be up to them to do a fast briefing schedule. They may do a temporary stay of the trial so they can get to the bottom of the immunity issue. But I assure you of one thing. While it may have taken them two years to figure out if there is immunity and whether a trial court needs to uh, further develop the record down with the trial and take the pin out of the case and let it proceed— on a civil case looking for damages, they are not going to move. This next future panel is not going to move so slow when you've got justice at stake and an election in November and the voters right to know whether they're voting for a convicted felon or not. So I think they're going to move expeditiously like we've seen the Court of Appeals and even the Supreme Court do when matters of of such importance, you know, our very constitutional republic hanging in the balance on these decisions, they're going to move very, very quickly. So I think if they even give a stay, it'll be a short stay, another short briefing schedule, which will take us through probably, you know, end of December. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it gets to Jan one with a decision by Jan one and no impact, hopefully, on the March fourth trial date. Maybe it moves a week or two to pick up some of this briefing timeline I just described. But that's my prediction here. Check my batting average; I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> and if you like lawyers who know what they're talking about analyzing the law, politics, and justice, then you're going to love Legal AF. It's our podcast exclusively on the Midas Touch Network. It's on Wednesdays and Saturdays at 8 p.m., which I co-anchor. And then on hot takes like this one, uh, the three or four leaders of Legal AF do this about every hour, if not every day, on, on the Midas Touch Network and help them get to 2 million by free subscribing on their network. Leave me a comment here and a thumbs up. It really does help. Your voice can be heard. It helps with the ratings, helps keep me on the air. So until my next hot take and until my next legal AF, this is Michael Popak reporting. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.